Lord, we thank you that everything points to you. You, Lord, we thank you that you are the center of all things, Lord, that as we look to you, Lord, and exalt you, people are drawn to you, Lord, and that you are the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through you. It's a narrow way. There, there's not many paths to God. There's only one pathway to God, to the Father, and it's through you. It's through what you did on the cross. That is the message of the cross. And it's narrow. It's very restrictive. And few go that way. Many take other roads. Many. And Lord, in this day we are living, even amongst your people, we've made other ways. Lord, we've, we've made it about things. We've made it about doctrines. We've made it about this. We've made it about that. But Lord, it's about Jesus Christ and him crucified, period. That men's faith, as Paul said in Corinthians chapter 2, I preach Christ and him crucified. I don't do it with persuasive words. I don't do it with cunning. But I do it in trembling. I do it in weakness. I do it in the power of God. I do it in the spirit so that men's faith would be in God, would be in Jesus. Not in a man, not in a church, not in a doctrine but in Jesus Christ and him crucified. And Lord, I thank you that you reveal that to babes. You reveal it to children, childlike faith. You, you reveal it to the humble. You open the eyes of those that are poor in spirit, that come to you with nothing, that come to you with no agenda, they come simply inside of their need for God, and Lord, somehow you open up their eyes to the wonder of who you are and what you have done. And I thank you, Lord. Most of us in this room have come into the reality of you, Jesus Christ, and him crucified, and the reality of the message of the cross that is the power of God, and it has wrought salvation in our lives. It has saved us from this present world. It has bought us. We are born again. We are alive to God now because of what you did. And Lord, I pray that would become more and more real. I pray we would not forget to look into that perfect law of liberty, the gospel, Lord, that, that we wouldn't be forgetful here as well, that we would continue in it. Until the final day, whatever that might be for each one of us, when we literally see you face to face. So God, I do pray you'd help us to hear what you want to say to us today. We have need of endurance. We have need of endurance, Lord. We can only do that by fixing our eyes on you. So God, I pray you will draw our attention, our eyes, and our hearts to you. 
not a speaker, not a place to you, Lord. And I pray you'll take this vessel and just say whatever you want to say, Lord. I give you my tongue. I give you my heart. I give you all of my faculties. Holy Spirit, we need to hear from you. We need to hear from our Father in heaven. We need to hear from Jesus. So God, open up our understanding. Help us to hear what you want to say to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm going to be in John chapter 6, so you guys can go ahead and turn there if you want. I'm going to jump around a little bit, but really the main thing I want to press home this morning, or I believe God wants to press home, is it's, it's really just about Jesus. It really is. It's really just about Jesus. All that's going to matter for all mankind is what did they do with Jesus? What did they do about the gospel? That's all that's going to matter. And when Jesus was here on the earth, all that mattered was how people saw him and what they truly believed about him. And it hasn't changed even today. Because we could believe a lot of things about Jesus. But really what it comes down to is what do we really believe about Jesus? And who do we really say that he is? And if we really believe who he is, who he said he was, who he proved himself to be, how has that affected our lives? What has been our response? That Jesus is God, was God, who came in the flesh. He was the word of God made flesh, the word of God that we were hearing about today. It's not a dead letter. It's not just a bunch of nice stories. It's Jesus Christ. It's God revealed to mankind. The, and the words are spirit. The words give life because Jesus gives life. He is life. And he was the word made flesh, John chapter 1 tells us. So here in John chapter 6, Jesus has already begun his ministry. He already has followers, people that believe something about him. Whether a good teacher, a prophet, whether he is the Messiah, the promised one, but he had a large following. A lot of things were happening. Miracles. They saw miracles. They had just eaten bread and fish that were produced out of nothing. Well, like two loaves and a couple of fish. And he fed like 5,000 people. It was probably more than that because you got to count the kids and everyone else. And so, after this happens, the following day, the disciples got in their boat, and they went across to the other side. Now, Jesus didn't get in the boat with them. Uh, we find out he basically just walked across the water <laughs> to get there, which was nothing for Jesus. 
But all the other people, all the other followers, they were, they were called disciples. They were followers. They were following Jesus. They saw everything. They, they just experienced eating bread that came out of nothing, fish. They were all satisfied. And they're like, we got to find out where he went. And, and they found out he was on the other side. And so they came to Jesus. And now when they found him in verse 25, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them, and he said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and you were filled. That's an important statement. And then he says, do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set his seal upon him. If I could say it in a nice way, they were following him for carnal reasons. They were following him for what they could get now from him. Temporal. They weren't thinking eternity. They were thinking now. What can he do for me now? And so it goes on, and they said to him, What can we do that we may work the works of God? And Jesus said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. So we got to understand they're Jews and they are used to doing things to get closer to God, to be pleasing to God. And Jesus is changing the whole point or the whole uh, way that they had known before, prior of how to get to God. And he's basically speaking about himself as the only way to God. It's basically what's going to happen here. And that's what's going to happen. He's going to transition from doing works, from doing things now, or focusing on the now, to who it was that was actually there in the midst and, and the true way to God. He's talking about salvation and eternity. Therefore they said, what sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Well, wait a minute. Didn't they already see enough? They had seen plenty. They had just eaten. We know, right? The fish and the loaves. It really does reveal their hearts. They, they really were not sincere Seekers. There's a quality about a sincere seeker. A sincere seeker doesn't want proof, doesn't want signs, doesn't look to this or look to that. They're kind of like a child. That's why Jesus said, you, you have to become like a child. It's not for the wise. It's not for the prudent. We see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, right? 
Because the message of the cross, it's foolish. It doesn't make sense to people that are wise in their own eyes. It, there has to be a certain quality for people to understand and see the wisdom and the power of the message of the cross. That's why so many, even though Jesus was right in front of them, they saw the miracles, could not believe, would not believe. So then they said, our fathers ate the manna in the desert as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And they're kind of priding themselves on their heritage. It's kind of like when they said, you know, Abraham was our father. And I believe it was John 9 or 10. So Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives his life to the world. Then they said, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said, and here it is, I am the bread of life. This is where the whole problem starts. This is a problem. This is a problem for them. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. He who believes in me shall never thirst. Kind of the same thing he said to the woman at the well, right? But you see, she was of a different spirit than these people. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you don't believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but to the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that all that he has given me I should lose nothing but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Now they start complaining about him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. In other words, in their mind, He's saying he's greater than Moses. Who's he think he is? That's where their mind's going. Who's he think he is? Is he greater than Moses? Because they worshiped the law. That was their way to God. It was their works that were going to gain them access to God. And Jesus is doing away with it all. With these statements. And they don't like it. He's touching something very dear to them. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? Again, like, who does he think he is? How is it then, he says, I have come down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said to them, do not murmur among yourselves. 
No one could come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes from me. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. And now in these verses, Jesus says something very important. Unless the Father draws, no one will come to me. What is he talking about? Well, we, we, we get a glimpse of it in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, where Paul is expressing how the natural reasoning mind cannot know the things of God. That unless God opens up the understanding to know the things of the Spirit, because Jesus is speaking in the Spirit, you understand that. He's not appealing to intellect here. Definitely not, because we see who actually follows him. They weren't very intellectual guys, but they had a quality. They were like little children. The wise, in their own estimations, can't understand. Those who are relying on the natural reasoning mind, the Father cannot reveal Jesus to them. There's a block there. Unless the Father opens up the understanding, unless the Father draws, it's impossible because the natural reasoning mind cannot learn, cannot know the truth of who Jesus is. It's like when Jesus said to Peter, Peter, God revealed that to you when, Jesus, when he said, you are the Christ, the Son of God. He said, flesh and blood, Peter, didn't reveal that to you. It was the Spirit. Peter, a dumb fisherman, had that revelation that these cannot get. They don't understand what he's talking about. And then he, he really says some stuff that really messes with them. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness, and they're dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. I mean, he's speaking life here. You hear the words, they're words of life. He, he's speaking of something that is so beyond what the children of Israel experienced, which really was just a shadow. It was all pointing to something better. The real bread, the true bread, Jesus, that was to come, that would give everlasting life. It's like he said that those that ate the bread in the wilt, they died. That bread couldn't give everlasting life. There's only one bread that came down from heaven that could give everlasting life. And he was to come, and he's here now. He's there, standing in front of them. He's here today, still, crying out, I am the bread that has come down from heaven. Without me, you will die. You will perish. I have come that you might have life. I am the living water. I'm what you're thirsting for. I have come. I'm here. He's still here, you understand, calling out. And he does it through vessels. He does it through his chosen vessels. 
I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. We remembered that today. That body, that person that was standing in front of them was God incarnate. The word of God made flesh that was being prepared to be crucified on a cross. So that what Jesus is saying here can be a reality to anyone that believes and partakes of that bread and drinks of that blood that was shed for them at Calvary. The Jews therefore quarreled. You know, I'm really tired of the quarreling in the church. There's so much quarreling, there's so much division in the church. You know why? We're not focusing on the gospel the way we should. We're, we're focusing on all the secondary issues. That Paul made a point of it in 1 Corinthians 2. I am going to focus on one thing. Jesus Christ and him crucified. That was Paul's ministry. You see it throughout his writings. That's mainly what he focused on. And I believe that's why he prayed the way he did in, in Ephesians chapter 3. I believe that's why James said, you know, if being hearers only isn't good, like, you have to be a doer. And that's not just talking about, okay, I got to do the law. No, it's talking about the gospel. When he says, you know, it's like a person looking in a mirror. When they turn away, they forget what they look like. And if we're going to endure, if we're going to continue, we have to keep looking into the perfect liberty of law. Well, what's he talking about? The Ten Commandments? No, he's talking about the gospel. He's talking about Jesus Christ and him crucified. You have to keep looking and keep looking and keep looking and keep looking. And that's how you'll endure. That's how your love won't grow cold. That's how your roots will go deeper and deeper. And that's what will cause you to tell other people about the good news. But we get our eyes off that. We get our eyes on everything else. We want to major on this. We want to major on that. And we get away from the gospel. Well, Jesus is talking about the gospel here. Because he's the gospel incarnate. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. What? Again, now they're like, what? Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up in the last day. Is, is Jesus talking about cannibalism? What's going on here? For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. It's the word, people. He was the word made flesh. He who believes my word, he who 
does my word. He who partakes of me and eats daily upon me and drinks daily of me will have life. That's what he's talking about. It's not cannibalism. And it's not the Lord's Supper either that some people try to make it. It's not that either. That's just to remember what he did. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. John 15, right? A doer. I believe, therefore I do. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Now it's interesting in verse 60 it says, Therefore many of his disciples when they heard this said, This is a hard saying who can understand it yeah who can the message of the cross is foolishness to the world who can understand it and when jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this he said does this offend you What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It's the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words I'm speaking to, their spirit and their life. You're not going to understand this intellectually. You need to become like a child. You need to stop being wise in your own eyes. You need to humble. You need to approach the word of God, like James tells us, in the meekness of wisdom. So that you can receive the implanted word of God, which is able to save your soul. That's coming humbly. That's coming saying, I don't understand, God. Help me. I believe. Help my unbelief. I tell people all the time that don't know the Lord to ask God, to humble themselves, say, and say to him, you know, I'll encourage him, read the Bible, but ask God, tell him, I don't understand this. Please, help, I want to help me understand this. I don't understand this. And you can't unless the Father reveals Jesus to you. Unless the Holy Spirit reveals truth, you won't understand it. But if you'll humble yourself and ask God will reveal himself. He will. There are some of you who do not believe, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. I'm glad I don't know that. I have found out later, like, people will do things and it just reveals what was really in their heart. But Jesus knew, like right from the get-go. Actually, he knew before the foundations of the world, because he's God, 
who would actually believe in it? It's amazing. It, again, it goes beyond your, your mind. He knew one of his 12, he says in the air, was a devil, didn't believe, was going to betray him. But yet, he hung out with him. He even sent him out with the others to do miracles. I, I don't understand that. I don't have to. You see how we are? I don't understand. How can that happen? Because God does what he wants to do. That's why. He's God. He can do whatever he wants. He doesn't have to fit into our little boxes. And then he said, therefore... I have said to you that no one can come to, the, to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father. And then it says a very sad phrase. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. I believe we're going to see this in these days we're living. Many are going to leave Christ. They're going to walk away. Because they didn't really believe. Or they did, and somehow they let other things pull them away from the simplicity of the gospel. They stopped looking in the mirror. They forgot. They forgot. Many went back and walked with him no more. And then Jesus said to the twelve, do you also want to go away? God bless Peter. I love Peter. Even though he just put his foot in his mouth so much. But, but Peter said, Lord, where are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have come to believe and we know that you are the Christ. The son of the living God. And again, now Jesus says to them, did I not choose you, the 12, and one of you is a devil? You would think, like, <laughs> I was one of the 12, and Jesus said that, like, what? <laughs> Who? It's not me, is it? Did it even phase Judas? Did he even understand? That's the scary part. It's scary. That's the scary part. How many really believe they believe, but really they don't? Scary. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in the inner circle with Jesus. But Jesus somehow sees past it all and says, no, you're a devil. You, you, you follow your father, the devil. You don't really believe. And when, when push comes to, to shove, you're going to leave me. You're not going to endure Now, I don't believe that for any of you. I believe we're going to endure. We're going to keep going and looking at Christ. And I, that's what I want to encourage you with today. Keep looking in that perfect law of liberty. Keep looking at the gospel. Don't forget. Don't be a forgetful hearer. Keep continuing on in it. That's what God wants to say to you today. He spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he 
who would betray him, being one of the twelve. So I just want to bring out a couple of things here, okay? First of all, it seemed as though these were all seekers of Christ, right? They were seeking after him. But what was the problem? What, what do we see as the problem? What were they seeking? They were seeking the temporal. They were seeing, what can he do for me now? Okay? Now, I don't want to discount that Jesus helps us. He's concerned about our needs. He does want to, you know, do miracles. He does do miracles. He does uh, understand our needs. And, and I believe he intervenes and, and he cares for his, his own. He told us, don't worry about food, right? I'll take care of you. You seek first the kingdom of God, I will take care of you. That's a promise from God, and, and we should rest in that. But if that's all he is to us, what he can do for me now, we will never follow him like a true disciple follows him. And, and the reason for that is, we, we, in our deep down in our hearts, we really don't understand or we've forgotten the whole message of the cross and the reality of my condition and of my utter hopelessness to save myself. And that the only thing I could ever rely on is the broken body and blood of Christ. And the minute I get away from that, I'm in trouble. That's, again, that's why Paul made a point of it. I preach Christ and him crucified. That's why James said, if, if you want to continue, if you want to be blessed, keep looking at the perfect law of liberty. Keep doing it. Don't be a forgetful hearer. Be a doer. Keep doing it. Keep looking at it. Hebrews tells us, how do we endure? Look at Jesus. Keep looking at him. Because he's the author and the finisher of your faith. Don't get your eyes off him. Don't forget what he's done for you. Because if you do that, you will love him the way you're supposed to. You'll be in your first love. And then everything you do will be motivated by love. Not a way to earn favor with God or a way to somehow procure your salvation. There's nothing you can do that will enable you to stand before a holy God on that day of judgment. On that day of judgment, there's only one thing you have to stand on, and it's the blood of Christ. It's the work of the cross. That's it. And that will never change. No matter how many years you're serving God, no matter how much knowledge of the Bible you gain, that will never, ever change. And when we get away from that, our love will wax cold. We'll either become Pharisees, following the law and making everyone else follow the law. And we'll have no passion for souls. We'll lose our passion for souls. So, be a seeker of Jesus himself. And if I could put a title to this, I would just say Jesus himself. It's, it's about Jesus. 
be a seeker of Jesus. The church that lost its first love got its eyes off of Jesus. They forgot. They forgot the message of the cross. They got caught up in works. It's interesting to me that that's the first message to all the churches. You're doing this good. You're doing that good. Yep, you got all your doctrines. Yeah, you got all this stuff good. But, but I have this against you. You've lost your first love. You've forgotten. You quit looking in the mirror. And now you think you're somebody. You've forgotten. And God's calling us back to the simplicity of just having Jesus. Because when we're living there, we're going to be passionately in love with him. And we're going to want to live lives that are pleasing to him. And, and we're going to walk as he walked. That's what a disciple does. When you think about these disciples, the ones that did endure with him, that believed, they simply followed him. And, and I want to be able to say to you, follow me as I follow Jesus. You know why I follow Jesus? I believe who he is. I know what he did for me. He rescued me. He, he did what I know I can't do, and he still proves it to me today. Actually, the more I grow in the Lord, the more I rely on the blood of Christ and his sacrifice. Because I, I just know, like Paul said, I feel like the chief of sinners all the time. And I'm saying, Lord, thank you. Thank you. That's where you got to look into that perfect liberty. Thank you for the message of the cross. It is the power of God. It is, Lord. There, there is no greater message. There is no greater hope than what you did on the cross for me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's where your worship, that's where everything in your life should flow from. But we have to keep looking. Lord, I want to pray for all of us here this morning. There's so much confusion out there. The church in many ways has become like the pharisaical system of your day when you were here on the earth, Lord. We've made it about so many things, and we've lost sight of the core message, the message of the cross. We want to focus on this. We want to focus on that. And Lord, meanwhile, there's, there's souls perishing around us. I thank you for everyone here, Lord, that believes. I know many here, they believe. They know that you are the Son of God. They know, they understand the message of the cross, that it is the power of God unto salvation. But Lord, we lose sight of it. I know I do. And Lord, I pray like Paul prayed for those that are in the faith in this room that are listening, God, that you would open up the understanding. Remind us, Lord, that you are the bread that came down from heaven, that, Lord, you are the son of the living God. You did die on a cross, and you did raise from the dead, Lord. And it's only through that sacrifice, it's only through that blood that we have any access to the Father. 
And it's a wonder of wonders. You were reminding me as I was singing this morning, Lord, thank you. Thank you for opening my eyes. Thank you for somehow getting me to the place where I saw my need and somehow you opened up my understanding. Somehow that light burst forth in my heart and I knew, I knew, I believed Jesus, that you were the Son of God. I believed you died for my sins, and I believed that you were my only hope, and all I knew to do was fling myself at your feet and beg for mercy, and you did have mercy, and you cleansed me, and you washed me, and your Spirit came and dwelt inside of me, and I am alive because your words are true. They are life. And you've given me life, Lord, and you've given others here in this room life, and you've given us the responsibility to carry that life to others that are still in darkness, that, that are still partaking of the bread of this world, bread that will not sustain them for eternity. They will perish if they don't come to know the true bread that comes down from heaven. And Lord, I pray you will bring all of us into a greater sight, into a greater passion for you and for the message of the cross, for Jesus Christ and him crucified. Lord, so that we can love you rightly and so that we can love others, Lord. I pray, God, you would make that more real to us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, I come to you now. There's people here, maybe. There's people online. They have questions. Is this real? Is Jesus really the only way? Was he really the Son of God who came and lived like a man on the earth? Was he really the word of God made flesh? Did he really take all of mankind's sin upon himself and become a sacrifice, the, the only sacrifice that would be acceptable to God for my sin? Did he really raise from the dead? Is he really at the right hand of the Father? Is he really alive? Father, you know which hearts are open, ready. And I'm asking right now, Holy Spirit, open up the understanding. Just like you did for Peter, just like you did for those few. If there's anyone here, if there's anyone listening, Holy Spirit, open up their understanding. Reveal yourself. Unveil the cross to them today. Help them, Lord, to see their only hope is to partake of you and what you did for them. There's no hope. They're going to die without you. They're going to perish. They'll be separated from God for all of eternity. They'll be a place of utter darkness without you. They will, they will die a second death at the final judgment. But, Lord, you're merciful. You're long-suffering. You don't desire that any would perish, Lord. 
So I'm asking right now, Father, draw hearts. Whether they're online, whether there's anyone here, draw hearts. Open up their understanding, Lord. Help them to see their need for you. Help them to humble themselves. Help them to confess their sins to you. Lord, help their unbelief. Help them, Lord, to come to you like a child and simply believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that you died for them, that you're able to cleanse them and wash them and, and, and make them alive to God. Lord, I pray right now, save souls in this place. Save souls online, Lord. Father, draw hearts right now. Draw them, Father. Draw them. I'm going to ask us to stand. Why don't we all stand? Thank you, Lord. One thing I love about children is they, they are innocent in some ways. I mean, they are little sinners, but, but they're innocent in some ways, um, especially little ones in the way that they don't really care what people think. You know, I've, I've heard stories of little kids, you know, they'll just pull down their pants and start going to the bathroom. They, they just, they don't, they're not like, they haven't grown up like us. But I want to make an invitation this morning. Jesus has come down from heaven. He is the bread of life. He wants to save your soul today. I'm begging, I'm pleading with you today. I'm pleading with you, be reconciled to God. He's made a, a new and living way, but it's only through Jesus. There's no other path to God. I know that sounds restrictive, that might sound foolish, but there really is no other way to God except through Jesus. And so you, you have to humble yourself. You, you have to confess your sins. You have to ask him to forgive your sins. You, you have to partake of his body, his sacrifice. That's what that means. You have to just believe. Take it into your own soul. I receive that sacrifice. I take it as my own. That body he gave for me, for my sin, and and. I take that blood as cleansing, a cleansing for my sins. I want to partake of you today, Jesus. I want to know that I have life. I want to know that I'm yours. If there's anyone here today, this altar is open for you. Just get out of your chair, just walk up. And between you and God, just say, Jesus, I believe. I am choosing to believe today. I don't have to have it all figured out. But I'm choosing to believe today, and I'm putting my faith in what you did for me. And if you're online as well, just if you can get on your knees, get on your knees. But just begin to talk to God. Just begin to talk to him. He's just as real as someone sitting in front of you. He's alive.
He's here today. He's crying out. He's crying out to you. I am the bread of life. If you eat of me, if you take my blood, you will never die. You will have everlasting life. Come to him today. Won't you? Won't you come to Jesus today? He's here for you.